I was told to say what I was like, what happened, and what I'm like today. And I know that it's been a while that I was, I've been here because I had, I was telling Susan I had to put on my maps how to get here. Um, so that's been a long time, but Gibby is my home. And I first walked in here in May, 2013. And I remember thinking, what is this strip mall gonna do for me? And I have just come to see this room as like the most beautiful room. Um, because you guys met me where I was at, loved me where I was at, loved me before I could love myself. Oh, there was always a place to go and still today. And I love coming in, it's warm. There's a feeling of just coming home. And so I'm super grateful to be here. Um, someone recently, a girlfriend who's in program shared on Facebook that she was driving home and an entire pizza hit her windshield. And she's in program. <laughs> But everyone was commenting. And then I wrote, well, that might have been me circa 2008, but I had a pretty tight grip on my pizza. And I never <laughs> put the, I would, um, and for those of you who haven't heard my story, and if you haven't, I'm so sorry. I feel like I tell the same story, but there's always a different um, nugget that comes in. But um, I'm a volume eater. So I would buy two pizzas on the way home and I would, it would be too hot because I just got in. So I would stick it out the window to cool it down. So not the whole thing. So that wouldn't be my whole pizza coming out, but definitely some slices. I would eat the entire pizza and then just throw it in the box on the way in the driveway. I walk in with pizza for everyone. Um, but food was, uh, food got me pretty young. And um, I know everyone's story is different. And I love that the only requirement is the desire to stop eating compulsively because um, my story food just became my friend and my companion. And I had just kind of just a chaotic life. Um, I, I, I feel like I was just born into shame, feeling I wasn't enough. And food, you know, filled that void and made me feel okay. And I mean, as an adult now, I look back and just say, it just, it numbed me out and I needed to be numbed out. And it was a survival mechanism, mechanism um, for my whole life. Um, in the big book, it says, you know, alcohol ceased being a luxury, you know, because at some point the food didn't work anymore. Um, so to qualify, um, my sponsor says, say the number. So I'm 5'8". Although I'm shrinking, I feel like I have the worst posture. So I'm probably five, six right now. So let's stretch it over to God. Um, 48, forgot birthdays in the pandemic, but I had to do the math. 48, um, and I'm currently 147 pounds. So my, I kind of, my range is like 142, 147. So um, I'm at that. And my top weight that I remember is 230, 240. Um, and I, Lance, if I get a break, I'll try to send my PowerPoint with my pictures, but, um, you know, definitely, uh, always queen of yo-yo diets, Weight Watchers for 20 years, never getting to lifetime weight. Um, again, compulsive overeater. My mom didn't know what to do with me. Um, she didn't, she threw out the TV in the house. There was no junk food in the house. There was no sugar. And. As addicts know, we know you just find the ingredients. I didn't need the sugar. I could make it, you know, make my frosting, make my cookies, eat that whole thing before anyone got home raw. When my daughter goes, you can't have the egg beater with raw egg. I'm like, girl, I grew up on raw frosting or raw cookies. Um, so let's see. 
Um, and then my dad, so the pendulum swung. My parents were divorced and my dad let us watch HBO, you know, at a really young age. Um, I got to eat everything I wanted. He would buy me my favorite sugar cereal and it would come with a pack of gum. And I was just, I thought my dad was so great. There were no boundaries. There was just, it was chaos. Both homes were chaos and I felt less than and different and that would carry through my whole life. So let's see, just the yo-yo dieter, um, slim fast, Dexa trim, Weight Watchers for 20 years. Um, let me think about what else I did. Oh, Fentermine in college. That was really fun because it just made me stop eating. And I was probably high. It wasn't Fenfen because that was, you know, the risky to heart. And I was getting this from my college health center. I just went in and she just prescribed that pill and it was magic. And I just kept getting thinner and thinner. And just like the man um, who lost his legs, I just thought, let me get down to my weight, full weight and everything will be okay. That is that was my wish. In the big book in Bill's story, he says he, he wanted to be acclaimed and he wanted to arrive. And I just wanted to be thin. That's all I thought. I thought life will finally accept me. The world will accept me. And don't, you know, all I need to do is be thin. And my mom um, perpetuated that, that thought of, you know, thin as well and thin as everything. And she probably didn't know what to do with a heavy daughter. Um, but I, Let's see. So I just, I want to clean my seat with the food. So you guys get, I am, I'm the real deal volume meter compulsive over eating. There's no full button on me. Um, and so that was what my life was like, was just yo-yo dieting. And it was always a white knuckle. Now that I know what white knuckled is, that's truly how I lived. And every birthday wish. So every candle, every new year's Eve, for New Year's resolution, every birthday, every, I don't know, we used to make a wish on a dandelion, <laughs> every penny in the fountain, every, shaking the magic eight ball, everything was like, let me lose weight. Like I, I, that's all I want. And my New Year's resolution, you know, my diet, okay, I had to get a new planner, a new pen, a new, like, this is my year. And, um, maybe I would get a meal or two in and, and then, you know, I, I was beyond human aid and there was no spiritual solution, nor did I even know that God and higher power and you guys were out there. So I felt so alone because I was friends with all normies and no one could relate. I saw them, they stopped eating. They just stopped. And my best friend in college was maybe a hundred pounds wet. And she'd be drinking the Cokes and I'd be like, the Diet Coke. And then, you know, eating everything there. And then they don't stop. And I didn't stop. Um, so I felt less than again, you know, left out, couldn't fit into normal size clothes. And um, yeah, I just knew something was off with food. And I described coming to OA that I'm in a foreign country and I found the one person who spoke English. Because I came Seven to minutes. Thank you, Shelby. I came to these meetings and you guys said the stuff I've done with food in fact it's like funny we are not a glum lot that's what the big book says but my stories now like with the pizza like the things I've done to me they're kind of funny now in that thank god thank you god that's not who I am today um so what happened so I was um seeing I thought uh I thought I was depressed because I couldn't stop eating and certainly I was depressed because I was wearing my husband's pants to work and I couldn't stop eating and I was just miserable. I was just walking miserable. And I was seeing a psychiatrist and he had a scale in his office and it was the old school. Clunk, clunk. And I remember being 190 in his office and he goes, 
why don't you just eat vegetables when you're hungry? And I mean, like we all laugh, right? If you're a compulsive overeater, I, you know, I'll eat vegetables, but I'm going after that. And then so I met a girl in the room. She's not in the rooms anymore. And she said, when she pitched, she said, one of her friends said, um, why don't you stop when you get full? And she goes, shit, that's when I start. And as a volume <laughs> eater, like that's when I start, you know, on the news, when they do those hot dog eating contests and they show someone how many they ate, I sit there and I go, well, they do that. You know, um, people, you know, Normie's idea of a big meal is like a warm up for me. Like I'm just getting started and my binges are really exhausting because they don't stop. You know, I trigger the allergy and then I'm off and I need to go to this store and that store and that store. And when the pandemic hit, I was so grateful to be abstinent because I was like, how would I get my binge foods? And when I was in the disease, there was no Uber Eats and Grubhub, like you get it delivered now. And I was like, that, where was that when I was a compulsive overeater? Um, so for today, okay, so the psychiatrist, I also saw a counselor and she said, I, I kept talking about the food. No one, I was in this, she put me in this woman's group. And everyone, I, you know, we're all just complaining about our lives. And these ladies would come in with these milkshakes. They were friends and they'd walk in and I couldn't even hear what was going on in the class. I was just staring at those milkshakes. And I was like, no one's talking about the food. Does, doesn't anyone want to talk about the food? And so I told my therapist that, my counselor, and she said, why don't you go to Reader's Anonymous? And I had been once when I was in high school and it was up in the Bay Area and it was like a dimly lit room and super weird. So my heart always goes out when the young people come into the meeting because I'm like, just keep, like, keep coming back. I wasn't ready for it at 18. I didn't come here until I was 37. So it took a while. Um, so she said, go to over years anonymous. And she must've thought she knew I was bold. I was like, okay. And then she said, go to two meetings before I see you again. And then I thought, oh shit, like, I'm really going to have to go. And I really loved and respected this woman. And I came out when I walked into Skibby. Uh, it was, it looked a lot different than I feel like I'm an old timer. And, um, and, and again, that's where I just felt home. I felt like finally you guys all talked about food and you guys laughed and you guys seemed happy, joyous and free. And I have never had that. Um, so I came to OA and I feel like I worked the perfect OA program. Um, I lost all my weight. Oh, my, I asked the lady to sponsor me. She was gorgeous, tall, thin, dressed the nine and walked in with Starbucks. And I didn't know what Overeaters Anonymous even meant, except for that I hated that name and they should really think about changing it. <laughs> and she had a Starbucks. And I remember thinking, gosh, dang, you could do a Starbucks in this program, I could do it. So after I heard you needed to get a sponsor, I said, can you sponsor me? I don't know what that meant. She goes, yep, um, you're gonna eat three meals a day, no sugar, nothing in between. And I'm like, what? Like I eat all day, I am a volume eater, I eat all day. but. I was desperate, I was out of ideas, so I did what she said. So I came to these meetings and at Jocelyn Center and at OLA, and I worked the steps except nine to 12. I just, I stopped. No, 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 I, I did nine, I didn't do 10, 11, 12. I didn't live in 10, 11, and 12. I didn't know you were supposed to live in 10, 11, 12. And I remember telling my sponsor, after I made the amends, I thought, who would ever want to work these steps again? Like, that was pretty brutal. And I didn't know. I mean, if you are truly living in 10, 11, and 12, you're working these steps. And when I do my nightly inventory, if I'm honest about it, it's kind of a mini four through nine anyways. Um, but I stopped right there. So I had my weight off. I got to 150 pounds, which was my driver's license weight that I had lied about my entire life. And um, I had arrived. Like, I was... Finally, this is what, this was the miracle. You guys gave me the miracle. 
but not living in 10, 11, and 12, I was, um, I was my higher power and it wasn't, and I was getting a lot of attention for losing the weight. And, um, someone said, Ooh, this guy has empty. You lost all this weight. And I said, Oh, he's just waiting for me to gain it back. Cause all he knows is fat, thin, diet, bitch, bigger bitch, you know? And so, um, so it wasn't, I was kind of white knuckling it. I wasn't living 10, 11, 12. And then I picked up my first bite and it took me down for 70. It was a year and a half relapse and it was being brutal and it was 70 pounds. So I got fatter in the rooms, come into the rooms than when I got here. Um, and so that's just part of my story. Relapse is part of my story. And I hear people say, I know I have another relapse in me, but I don't know if I have another recovery in me. And I feel like that is so true. And I please put a AA slogan on my, um, on my little plaque when I pass, because all I know, all I, I talk in memes and slogans, but my favorites are, you can't get clean on yesterday's shower. So everything I did yesterday to stay abstinent, which was a lot, I get to do today. Not, I have to, like I get to, and I get to be of service today. Um, my sponsor used to say service is swimming. Um, and we moved on out in San Bernardino, not so far, but I thank you for asking me to be of service because it's important for me to share my story and what it was like, because I heard all of you guys share your story and that's how I, um, wanted to come back. Okay. So what happened? I came to OA, gained all my weight, still came to OA. And what I loved about OA is no one ever said, oh, you're getting too bad to be here or. I don't know. I, I never felt like I didn't belong. I always felt like, cheers. Everyone knows your name. They're glad you came. And it was such a safe place for me to still come, even in relapse. Um, so, I mean, the disease looks different for people and the recovery looks different for people. So I heard about some people doing a phone meeting and I thought, a phone meeting? No, you need in-person. That's the way to do it. And I didn't even, this is, we didn't even have an unlimited rise plan at the time. So I thought I could really never do a phone thing or a phone meeting because we don't have the minutes to do it. So I started listening to just a really strong, healthy, big book meeting. And, um, and I started working at that meeting and I had a sponsor and she said, call me once a week and, um, 14 minutes. Thank you. And she said, don't send me your food. It's an outside issue. Call me once a week. And I thought, okay. And it was the strongest big book recovery I had ever had. And I just, for 20 minutes, once a week, I shut up and she talked. So she's like two ears, one mouth, shut up. And I was perfect because <laughs> I'm a talker. And she read, I mean, we're two grown women and she's reading the big book to me. And I could just, you know, and she asked me to identify in, not identify out. And it was the most amazing big book recovery I've ever had. But I, I'm keeping up with the Joneses. And I'm like, how long have you done your sponsor? How do you do a 10 step? I had to know what every single person was doing. And, um, when I worked the steps, my sponsor said, okay, you're recovered. Call me if you need anything. And I was like, huh, like I'm not calling you once a week anymore. And I had, I had what the big book warns us of is failure to enlarge spiritual life. I didn't have my tribe. I didn't call anyone and no one called me. And so left to my own devices. Um, it wasn't long before food just called my name and it wasn't the sugar. I was, thank you, God, I was scared to pick up the sugar, but it didn't need to be the sugar at that point. I could binge on, I'm a volume eater. So it was anything, even if it didn't have sugar, nuts, chips, popcorn, anything volume, triggering that effect, feeling fat, sleeping during the middle of the day. I mean, it was all the same thing. And, um, and then I got a call from a lady and I never opened my, I never answered my phone. So how then now I do. 
And I thought, who, who calls anymore? Like text me. And I somehow I picked up her call and she spoke to me about just a program that she worked. And I thought, you're so crazy. I will never do all that. And so maybe the normal people think what I do is a lot, but the disease was a lot. And the disease took up so much more time than my program does. And the disease was so awful to me where I didn't even like myself. And for today, um, what did I do this morning? I got up, I got on my knees. I did my little, you know, litany of prayers in the morning that I do. I had a friend say that no one in her family should talk to her until she does her prayers because it's like a DUI, you know, like you don't know what is going to come out. Like, so, and I thought that was so true. I used to relate it that um, when I started incorporating my prayer routine, I remember in the eighties, there was a commercial, it was a V8 commercial and the lady's walking out of her house in like her business suit and she's walking like sideways and the commercial was, I should have had a V8. So she drinks the V8 and then she like walks straight. And that's kind of how I feel. If I leave the house without prayer, I'm like, eh, like, I'm not, you know, centered and grounded and remembering God is everything or God is nothing. Um, and so for today, you know, the miracles in my life, it, and again, Kim for the vanity, stay for the sanity. I told you the only thing I wanted to do is lose weight. So I did. And now what? Wherever I go, there I am. I'm the common denominator. Like I'm the problem. So it didn't, now I had to work, work these tools like my hair was on fire. And I was listening to a speaker last night and she said, there's no elevator to serenity. You have to take the steps, you know? And I love that because it's like, you have to work the steps and it's that spiritual toolkit that's free. This program is free and I will forever be grateful that, um, you know, it, it's a crumpled dollar here or there, you know, when I came in and, and everything I gave has completely changed my life. And I've heard a speaker say that if he could get the magic pill to get rid of this disease, he wouldn't because his life has been blessed beyond his wildest dreams. And, uh, I came in kicking and screaming and I would have never thought I would say I'm a great, grateful, compulsive overeater, grateful for what this, this stole my life. And now I, I wouldn't go back. My life is amazing. I, I have a sponsor who has a sponsor. I have a sponsee. I work all of the tools in the program. Um, I have a food plan. I, I weigh and measure all my food. Um, I'm a volume eater. My eyes are like this big, you know, tell me I can have you know, one of this, I'm going to the store and I'm like, look what they had. Um, so I had to just, you know, just like I weigh and measure my life, I'd weigh and measure my food. Um, and I, and I've come to love it. Um, I just, I know what I used to feel fat if I ate too many veggies. And now I just know I eat, I'm done for the day life in between. Um, I go to a meeting, I give service. Um, I sponsor, I use the telephone. I remember the first time I did call someone in and Skibby, and she said, I bet that phone weighed 500 pounds. I thought, shit, it did, but it's either the phone or me. So something, I'll pick up the phone. Um, I do writing. Um, I do reading and writing every single day. I'm not um, the same people who probably write down their shares or the people who do it the night before. I do it like with 10 minutes to call my sponsor. I did that in undergrad. I did it in grad school. I'm a last minute adrenaline rush kind of girl, like getting it high wherever I can. Um, but I do writing, um, literature, uh, you know, I have an action plan when, um, people aren't following my scripts and I need some help and it might look like book ending a meal or just, uh, you know, when I have two teenagers, oh my gosh, I came in and they were five and seven. I think I can never do the math. And I thought I'm going to come in before they can read, you know, before they know where I'm, where mom is going over here's anonymous. Like I said, that name, I know I love that name. Um, but you know, I've been abstinent 
back-to-back -back black and white absent for three years. And so that was like, I came to for the teenage years. And that was pretty brutal. I would have rather been numbed up for everything they're putting me through. They are not following my script. My husband always, we always, we go, God, we did worse stuff at their age, but we don't let on to that, but they're not following my script. And, you know, they kind of re-trigger my childhood trauma. And so I'm so grateful I have the program and I have people I can talk to. If I ever get arrested, I'm going to call someone in program because they take your call. Um, my friends, oh my gosh, if I call it the one, they maybe would call me back or text me a week later and say, what did I want? But program, you know, I've just come to live by the telephone. I pick up the call. I take a call. And when one of my kids wasn't following my script and something happened, I called someone in program and, you know, I was the first person to call and they just walked me through it. And, you know, we bought a house and I didn't do it without my sponsor. You know, I, shit, I can't do anything without um, talking to someone who's spiritually connected. You know, my grandma, thank you. I'll just wrap up. Um, I'm grateful that people just don't co-sign my bullshit like it was in the disease that when I call people in program, you guys get me back to God. God is everything or God is nothing. And I'm truly a grateful compulsive overeater. So thank you for listening.